title of the book was named Man Up. The acronym in the book was Grow Some Balls. And I, I bet you, I, I bet you I could take half of my female athletes that I train and whoop the crap out of most of your male athletes because most of my women and female athletes are tougher than yours because they take accountability. They know exactly what they want in their life and they're going to work their ass off until they achieve it. And they're not going to blame other people. Power Athlete Nation, welcome to another episode of Power Athlete Radio. Tex McQuilkin here, the Director of Training and Education, and we are welcoming on a good pal, Justin Cavanaugh, the author of Man Up, the five areas of focus to your athletic success. So we use the book as a jumping point to talk about getting big balls. That stands for balance, accountability, lust, love, and sacrifice. So directing athletes towards a direction, big goals, and what they can accomplish as an athletic career, but also how these carried over to the real world once your competitive career is over. And we spent a lot of time speaking to the 30 and 40 year old who needs to make sacrifices to maintain a high level of, of love for training that then carries over and translates to the rest of their lives. So prioritizing movement in all these different things that excuses get in the way. So Coach Cav drops a lot of his personal guidance, knowledge, mentorship, advice that he's given to not only his athletes that he's led all the way up from high school to college to the Olympics, but also to his employees who he's helped garner and lead to success in the world of performance and beyond. Awesome time with Coach Cav as always. He's a regular on Power Athlete Radio. Be sure to check us out on YouTube to watch our reactions. Justin gives us a tour of his whiskey wall in his home office. Pretty awesome. So check that out on YouTube. See if you see anything that did not jump out to me. I called out some Texas whiskeys, but hey, that's where I live. So check out YouTube if you want more. And let's, without further ado, let's roll right to it. Here is Justin Cavanaugh, a.k.a. Coach Cav. All right, let's, let's rock and roll. So welcome him back, Coach Cav. Again, last time we spoke, you were in Japan and made the time to speak to us. I don't know what time it was, 1, 2, 3 a.m. Uh, normal time here because that's how we operate. We put our guests in the most awkward position to join us. And, man, we, we started out with speed and what you were working with, uh, coaching up Jason at the Olympics, and then naturally gravitated towards life and mentorship. Sure. And today, I want to focus on that mentorship. You are the author of the book, Man Up, and you dropped this in 2017 when the world was different. And I want you to, uh, to speak to us about this book, Man Up, the five areas of focus to your athletic success. Where were you as a coach in writing this and what inspired you to put your word on paper versus just empowering the athletes in person? Yeah, you you have a you know you've said the world is different, no doubt, right? You know, I never thought that the world would change as fast as it has. You know, we're at a we're at a super interesting time in 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 my lifetime where um, this is the first time where I think that a lot of the things that you're attached to is directly you know associated with your values, whereas it normally is like maybe your interests or things that are going on in your life. But this is probably the first time in my life where Something that you hold so true, right, is it's directly attached to your values, whether it be your political belief, whether it be the work that you do every day, like, you know, you got to have a purpose. If not, you're going to get crumbled. You're really going to get shattered quickly. Now, the reason why I wrote this book in 20, was it 2017? Um, I believe in writing books. A lot of the books craze have gotten a little interesting, whereas a lot of people wrote books just to become popular. Right. They wanted to become noticed in a certain subject matter. They wanted to become recognized in an area that um, they were trying to be you know, profitable in. I had already done my work in the performance world. I already done my work in uh, mentoring and developing athletes and young people. I, I feel like I've you know put my time in at that point. You know, it's it was well over a decade and a half of good work that I was doing every single day. And I felt very confident with you know, kind of my service uh, to, to that demographic. And I wanted to write something that basically said, you know, if I put it in paper, what, what can I get for, you know, 10, 20 bucks to somebody that if they met me for the first time, this could change, change their life, right? And it's not for everybody. So I'm not saying this book will change your life. If that's where you are in your life, 
and you read that, it will absolutely make an impact. And that was what I was looking for. And what it was is, is the book is basically just a come to Jesus meeting with an athlete. It's a sit down with them that says an athlete's not happy with where they are for whatever reason. And they're not just not only happy with where they are, they're not happy with maybe um, the path that they're on. They're not happy with the people around them. They're not they're not necessarily um, focused on where they're trying to go. And they're not they're losing a sense of maybe ownership or accountability of the process. And, And oftentimes I think people don't they don't live up to their expectations. I think the the biggest kind of like the most dying wish for people is that they would go back and like live their full potential. And for me, it was like, if someone sat me down and said, Hey, here's where you are. Let's get a reality check. Let's figure out exactly what you want. And then let's walk you through a path of how to achieve that. That's all this is. This is an hour come to Jesus meeting with an athlete and a coach. And that's how it's written. It's it's using life stories to explain maybe some philosophies that have been in principles that have been proven true over the years. And then there's been, um, you know, ways in which an athlete could kind of implement that into their life. That was what uh, this was for. It was like, if I handed this to a kid and they read it, and they got nothing out of it. Well, then maybe the kid's not ready yet. Like the first mm-hmm. rule of anything is be coachable, right? And it's like when the when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to be coachable and you're not happy or content with the path that you're on, and you read that, it should make an impact on on where you're trying to go. That was my goal. That's what we did. And and frankly, it went over quite well. It was actually very well received surprisingly because of how hard it was. I mean, the back of the book first talks about, you know, that literally the back of the book was basically a statement of saying, you know, we live in an age where people are, 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 they have too much pride and lack of respect that they don't, they're not even willing to stand for the national anthem. And here we are now with an athlete that's stuck overseas that, that, that basically said that they don't want to represent the U S and they're stuck overseas for, for a stupid law that there's no reason for that. Now that has, it's a loaded statement, right? Because yes, I believe athletes should be standing for our flag and be proud of, you know, being, being American, but also for the values in which uh, people stood for in order for them to have that freedom. But also I don't think that we should have left that athlete hanging because that person represents the U S and what does it show to the rest of the athletes that we don't have, a, have their back. That should have been a phone call and that athlete should have been back in the States in two seconds. Mind you, I know there's thousands of other people that are incarcerated for the same thing in the U S but it's not the same when you start thinking about what that impact could be long-term because we're setting a principle that just because someone does something wrong, doesn't give us the opportunity to do something right. And nowadays today, kids want basically excuses for them to be lazy, for them to be less accountable to the things that they're doing for them to be, you know, not being able to achieve their goals. So they could be a level of entitlement. That's mm-hmm. what kids want nowadays. And on our leadership, which is sad to even call them leaders, the people in our world today that are in such a level of power that are making these decisions are in a situation right now where they're basically saying, oh, it's okay, Johnny, you, you could act that way. It's okay, Mike, you could act that way. We're going to give you that award anyway. It's an everyone gets a trophy generation. And now they're they're impacting the leadership roles of today. And here we are very, very clearly with an understanding that Nobody likes where we are, regardless of what um, what you believe in, what your political beliefs are, what your um, you know values are. Nobody likes the current status uh, that we're that we're in today, and it's because nobody wants to take accountability for what how we got here. Nobody wants to. So, for an athlete, you have to take accountability for where you are. For an athlete, you have to take accountability for the path that you're on, the goals that you have. And every single action that you take every day. And when you don't take accountability for where you are and you blame other people, well, then it's other, it's someone else's life. It's someone else's goal. So if you're telling me that you're, you're, you're not willing to take accountability for the, the day-to-day actions, then you shouldn't take the accountability or the, or the reward for when you win. That means it was someone else's too. But you only want to be the guy that's on the podium getting the award. You only want to be the guy that's on TV getting the interview. But you never want to take it when you know, you're getting asked tough questions. So that was the whole premise of the book. Uh, unfortunately, it was, I felt it coming down the pipe a lot longer, a lot long ago before it did now. And, and I, it's sad to think that we're in a place right now where, you know, the, the, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, 
right? And unfortunately, that was the one thing I loved about sports is if you strapped on a helmet, right? And you and you put the gloves on, or if you, you know, walked into an arena or you stepped into the blocks, everything was equal. Nobody cared about your background. Nobody cared about what you did for them lately. Nobody cared about how nice you were to them. All they cared about is the work that you put in in that window. That was it. Once the whistle blew, it was game on. And that, to me, was what sport was about. Like, it, it completely disassociated everything from every demographic that, that you're attached to in society, whether it be uh, wealth or uh, poor, whether it be from an educated uh, family or an uneducated background, whether it be from a, a, a state of privilege and an environment that is being very kind of giving or from an environment that was uh, not, you know, not privileged and that you're kind of, you have to work to get to everything you have. In the world of sport, everything is earned. And that's what I enjoyed and loved about it. And that's why I believe sports is the ultimate, you know, platform to teach life lessons. And it was very hard for me to sit back and go, man, whatever's happening, I don't like, and it is changing. So I said, I'm going to put down on paper what I feel an athlete needs to be successful. And that was it. And that's what happened. And, it, and it's an hour read. That was the <laughs> worst part. It takes an hour to make a change in someone's life. Yeah. Well, now more than ever, you need balls. Yes, which is do. an acronym that you use in the book. So let's get into that. Balance, accountability, lust, love, and sacrifice. And I mean, the analogy is perfect, especially in, in line with man up. So speak to that now. And has anything changed from 2017 to now? Or are you doubling down on our athletes need bigger balls? Yeah, I mean, shit. And for those that think that, hey, I'm being a, a jerk by making this about men or making this like, look. The title of the book was named Man Up. The acronym in the book was Gross and Balls. And I, I bet you I, I bet you I could take half of my female athletes that I train and whoop the crap out of most of your male athletes because most of my women and female athletes are tougher than yours because they take accountability. They know exactly what they want in their life, and they're going to work their ass off until they achieve it, and they're not going to blame other people. But when we start having the leaders of our world or the athletes of our world that basically want to step up and become captains and then start blaming everybody, then there's going to be a problem. So the acronym, it started from I was on a trip with my wife to, in Barcelona, Spain. I was doing consulting out there and had an opportunity. You know, we're just eating dinner. And uh, one of the waiters was like, you know, just doing they were betting me a bunch of stuff. And like, hey, if you go to a restaurant and you start betting me like I'm 255 pounds. Like you're, it's going to be a challenge for sure. No matter what it is, if it's drinking or food, we're going to have some fun. And the guy looks at me and goes, Oh, you had no huevos. I'm like, Oh, listen, <laughs> like, I understand that. Let's go. You know? So uh, that's where it started. And I'm like, Hey, you gotta, you know, you gotta see if you have a pair. So I grabbed mine and, and I went to work and won the bet. And then I wrote the book and that's where I came from. So ball stands for balance, accountability, lust, love, and sacrifice. Like you mentioned balance. I truly believe that any athlete or any person that has something that they want to achieve that is in balance, 50-50, is not going to achieve their goals. So balance is all about strategic priorities. It's about saying, here are the things that I want to achieve. And in order for my life to be balanced, the actions that I'm taking need to align with the ambitions in which I have. That is balance. Balance is not saying, I need to make sure I'm home at, you know, I, I'm you know, I'm a father, I'm a husband, you know, but I work and I own a gym and I, I perform, I work with athletes. And if I show up at every day at home at, at 5 PM, right. Because like I punch the clock and I'm out and then no one's responsible for the stuff afterwards. And I have to come home at that regular time. I probably won't be able to achieve the goals that I have, you know, as a successful, you know, coach, we're going to probably have to put in hours after the clock stops ticking, right. We're going to have to, you know, do some overtime, but mm -hmm. everybody wants to just say, punch the clock and come home. Balance for me, right, is studying the playbook. Balance for me is doing film work. Balance for me is figuring out every single thing possible to make my athlete successful. Balance for an athlete that wants to achieve their goals is doing the little things, right? It's making sure they have their food in order, making sure they're in nutrition, making sure they're on time to practice, making sure they're doing their study, making sure that when there's an opportunity for them to go out with their friends, right, that they probably miss that opportunity. And it's not like saying, hey, I don't want you to have a, a, a social life. It's saying that, hey, athletes that achieve these goals don't act this way. Yeah. Are you acting in accordance to the ambition in which you have? And we don't get judged by our intentions, although I think intent matters more than anything in the world. 
we get judged by our actions. And balance is directly correlated to the goals that you have and is your actions directly in line with your ambition. And that was the first thing for me is like, I could tell you if you're going to be successful or not. If you tell me you want to achieve something and all your actions behind it, even if they're not perfect, they're aligned with your ambitions. To me, that's balance, right? And then at some point in life, you need to kind of get that, you know, you need to maybe, you know, get that ability to unplug. You need to refresh. You need to rest. We know that. But during it, there's a time of your life where you have to be laser focused on what you want to achieve. And anything that comes in the way of distracting you is going to be a problem. And if, you, if you're willing to take that, um, that level of like seriousness about the work that you're trying to do, I guarantee you, you're going to have success. Yeah. That, that, that says everything. Uh, I work with high school students now and the aim is to help them at least create achievable goals. So they have, uh, I'm interested in learning their previous sport background, it's majority football, but goals aren't spoke of. So it's teaching them. And some kids, you know, are way up here. It's not very realistic. So helping them create realistic goals and some are way below what I believe or feel that their potential is. So helping them see and lift their head up that, man, there is so much more, especially when you have four more years of the sport ahead of you. And then once we essentially align and aim, then talk about and call out the actions that are, are not in line. Because we do got some goofballs. we got some characters on the team that uh, their actions don't represent what their big dreams are. So helping them see that. and then. Yeah, connecting that with the book, it's like, dude, I was, I've been fighting this battle, but now this is a, a beautiful way to articulate it and have one word to represent that, that can call them out for, and now they know, hey, am I in balance? Am I in check? So that's, it's, it's an awesome representation. And then, I mean, naturally leads to the next one, accountability, where it's personal accountability or holding my team accountable because, they, hey, they're taken away from my successes as an individual. Yeah, if there's one thing that we've lost in today's generation is personal accountability. Everybody wants to blame others for the reason why they're not successful or why they didn't achieve something that they they, they wanted to get, right? Or when something happens. And it was really easy, you know, when, you know, different generations, they were not only, you know, held accountable in a way of like, hey, we're calling you out, but they were actually, they were disciplined accordingly, mm -hmm. right? Discipline is the ultimate measure, right? If someone can be disciplined, then um, then they're going to have success. Because sometimes on the training side, it's the person that could do the thing the most boring, the, lo the longest to be the most successful. Like, it's really easy. Um, the person who eats the most chicken and rice and chicken and broccoli will become, will build the most muscle. It's not that hard. If you want to build muscle, it's chicken and rice or beef and rice. If you want to eat, if you want to get shredded, it's, it's, it's beef and broccoli or chicken and broccoli. That's not that hard. Right. And the person who could eat that meal the most consistent and be the most boring over a long period of time will be the most successful. Yeah, I feel like but, you're speaking to a linear progression as we deliver on uh, bedrock training programs. It's not sexy, but damn it, it works. And all we're asking is, you know, 16 to 22 weeks of your life to establish a base level of strength you will never lose. Linear progression, it's it's a beautiful thing, but it's boring. Yeah, but it lays the foundation for you to add so much to it, right? Mm -hmm. So at that point, once you built that, right, if you built that kind of strength base, you now can add any other component on top of it, right? Yes, exactly. And, and, you know, we talk about like, you know, moving from balance to accountability. Athletes do not want to be kept accountable. People do not want to be kept accountable uh, because then it's like, then they, they have to take ownership of, of the process, right? So what's interesting, though, is when you have accountability, right? It's, I think it's also, it's just like loyalty, right? Accountability, right? I want someone that's going to be accountable to me and my goals. So if, if Tex, if you're coaching me and I tell you, Hey coach, this is what I want to achieve. And then I'm not acting that way. And you call me out on it. I should feel good that I have somebody in my life that cares about me enough to go out of their day, to make something negative, to make a, a negative tension in our relationship, to better help me achieve what I said I want to accomplish. So I should feel good about that. I might not like the moment. I might not like the negative interaction that you and I are having, but I'm going to appreciate 
the relationship that you and I have and the vested interest that you have in my goals. That is what coaching is all about, is to be able to say, hey, this is going to cause friction in our relationship, but it's for the greater good. And the greater good is what you told me you wanted. And I'm willing to do that. That is what accountability is. Now, the athletes that could be accountable to themselves for more of the work and that they don't need someone else to force the accountability on them are the ones that are going to be able to get the coach to become challenged. And when a coach is challenged, he's going to take a greater interest in that athlete. Because I want nothing more than an athlete to basically move past me, move past my level of, you know, um, you know, coachability, move past my level of like knowledge in a specific sport, move past my, my, my understanding of where he's trying to go. Cause that's going to take me to greater heights and mm-hmm. it's going to force me to be challenged to help him get to that point. But what happens is, is a lot of times as coaches that have been coaching for a long period, they start to kind of get back and they, they don't get excited about the kids that come in with this like regular Monday goals. It's not really exciting for them. So it's really exciting for a kid to come to me and say, coach, you know, I want to be on that podium one day, or I want to make it to the NFL, or I want to, I want to do this now. Yes, I've done that. Yes, I've done that repeatedly, but I'm I'm really interesting in watching a man push his limits. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting to me. And that's like when you move on to the next one, it's like lust comes next, right? It's that desire to achieve this thing, right? And and maybe that's the thing that starts it. Maybe that's the thing that kind of pushes it over the edge. That's the motivation. We've all been there as middle school, young high school kids when we're running around the track and there's a girl that that walks around and we're just like, uh, let me tell you, we speed up a little bit, whether we like it or not, you know, and, and that's just kind of part of the nature of, of who we are, right? We're going to be that, that guy that's like, we need a little bit of motivation. We need a little bit of, of, of inspiration to kind of get us going, but it should be the thing that kind of keeps us going. It's the thing that gets us going. The thing that keeps us going is our deep desire and deep love for what we're trying to accomplish. Man, that's, that's a beautiful uh, distinction between the two. Yeah, lust gets you going, but then love keeps you going. And then as as we enter into the, I mean, our competitive careers have since passed, but I mean, we can still have a love for the hard work, the team, the training, the camaraderie that comes with lifting weights and holding each other accountable. And uh, I know you know Train Heroic well, but that's the beauty of, of the, the team and the experience that we're aiming to create with our training teams through the feeds, putting up videos, uh, showing the lit, the weights that you lifted leaderboards. And then you pick out somebody that's always on top that I can aim and compete with. So keeping the love going, even though my life has changed, right. Training in a garage gym, you know, it, and you graduate to where work, uh, family, all these different things take priority, but I still need to hold on to what I do love, which is team sport any way I can. Yeah. When you talk about training, so you brought up train heroic, it's really interesting in the psychology of, of our mindset as we transition kind of post competitive career, we're not necessarily non-competitive anymore. We're still competitive. We just have to kind of choose our sport. And if mm-hmm. our sport is, is investing back into ourselves, uh, the, the, the training structure that you've created is awesome because what happens is, is, you know, just like an athlete would walk into our gym and they would see the the, the leaderboard of men and women every single day of what that role or what that uh, that test was. So we would always pick an exercise every day and it was tested. And even if it was something that we weren't necessarily measuring for performance, we're measuring it for fun. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, we want to measure performance for your see if your vertical jump went up. Maybe we're measuring your bench press to see if that went up. But sometimes we're measuring things just because it's it's a good competitive nature, right? So, you know, pick your body weight for rows. So see what, see what you can do. And, and it became a fair environment because everyone, you know, had to kind of calibrate to their own weight, but all of a sudden you walk in there and you go, Oh man, you know, Mike's on top today. And yeah, I'm going to come gunning for him. And then the other aspect of it is, is every day Mike's name's not on the top because we would organize the, 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 the drill based upon what someone else's strength may be. So that Mike had to get pushed too by somebody else. Yeah. And that's one of the benefits of a, of a team environment post-athletic career because it keeps you, it keeps you accountable, 
right? And it keeps you on track. So, you know, when you're younger, you actually thrive off of accountability because you have these desires, but what happens is, is you say you want to do these things, but you, you know, you're not, you're not mature enough to become self-accountable. So when uh, someone else is keeping you accountable, then you thrive off of it. You thrive off of that structure. And then you develop that motivation. You start developing a deep love for something because you see the results. The one thing that's really fascinating about the weight room is the weights don't lie. You know, you look at like the four physical qualities, like strength, speed, flexibility, and endurance. Strength is the easiest one to obtain, right? It's the easiest one. The, the, the easiest one to lose is flexibility. Like if you stop stretching, you will lose your flexibility for sure, yeah. right? Speed is probably going to be one of the uh, the most genetic where it's like you're a little bit, it's it's definitely kind of catered to what you were dealt, but also one of the hardest to teach. And then the last one is like endurance where it's the spe- it's specific, right? Where if you go run two miles and you think that you're in shape, but you, you go two minutes in a boxing round, right? In an amateur boxing round, you're going to gas out like crazy. Where you take a wrestler that could wrestle for days and he's in amazing shape, but you put him in a ring doing boxing and he's going to be super tired and then vice versa. But you're like, oh my God, the same systems. Yeah, but you're doing something that's not specific. So mm-hmm. endurance is, is very specific, but strength doesn't lie. So what you do in the weight room, you can't fudge those numbers. And I we used to do this a lot where like coach would ask you like, hey, what do you bench? What do you lift? What do this? And you could fudge that number all you want. But once you get in the weight room, that bar is going to put that much in gravity don't change much. So we're going to see what happens when you're under the under under the bar. And that's one of the things that I love about, you know, the weight room for athletes, because it builds self-awareness and it builds accountability because you can't say, hey, I'm 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 better than that. Well, then show me. Yeah. Right. If you're better than that, show me, you know, I I've seen kids that could score a goal from the craziest angle. Lacrosse is awesome because you can see some highlight reels from 14 year old kids. And that's, fan, that's fantastic. But can they do that over and over and over again? You know, they might only get that one shot, but they might identify as that athlete as that one play. Mm-hmm. But in the weight room, you can't be like, I benched that once. I did that once before. I don't need to do it again. Like that, You will lose it very quickly. You know, yeah. and more often than not, you didn't do it. Your friend helping you, you deadlift the bar up is not you bench pressing. Let's establish that for all the high school kids. Yeah. So when you're filming and your pals are on the edges of the camera, shoot the angle, helping you get that big weight. We know. It's- I've never believed a weight. I've never <laughs> believed a weight that I haven't seen. And one of the things that's interesting, too, is. At like the NFL combine level, why is there 30 scouts there with 30 stopwatches? Why do we just need one to tell us what it is? We need 30 because that guy that's a coach or a scout is going to walk into his coach's office and say, I saw it. I timed it with my own eyes and my own hand. I'll put my name on the line. He is accountable to Mm -hmm. what he saw. And if that kid can't run that time, right, then his ass is on, on the line. Yeah. Uh, the last one we want to talk about, and I think this is a good transition to the the next topic, but it, it's sacrifice. And the, the big reason I brought you on, man, is so many athletes, they finish their competitive career and they sacrifice so much to have that athletic career. And then they enter into the real world. And then the sacrifice is just beginning, man. So what does it mean to to sacrifice as an athlete? I know it's not just giving up, you know, going to the bar with friends and some nights out. It's a lot more, especially on your body. And then how does that really prepare them for the the next stage in life? Yeah, I think that what's interesting is like once you love something, you have to have a sense of 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 giving all of it to it. Right. If you really love something, you're going to give all of you to that thing, whatever it may be. And sacrifice comes in is because there's going to be some other things in your life that are going to pull from it. And whether it be when you're in your athletic career that uh, you had to stop going out with friends or that you had to study more, you had to give up, you know, some other opportunities. When you truly love something, you're going to have to sacrifice some things so that you could go and do that. Post your athletic career, you actually might have to give up maybe your freedom of coming home whenever you want. You have to maybe reformat your day to where you create a structure for yourself. 
So, you know, if you're a, I know like Texas, you guys work with a lot of, um, a lot of ex-athletes, former athletes that I think are still athletes, but are not in the competitive nature of sport anymore. And they're trying, their competitive nature is for themselves and for their body mm-hmm. and their, their fathers that, um, you know, they haven't prioritized their family or their health, um, because they've been sacrificing their body for giving back to, you know, mom or the family or to work. Right. You know, my uncle, uh, ran a, a very large company for a while and he's like the best people to hire were, uh, newlyweds, uh, guys that just got married and guys that just had a baby. And it's because they're more money, more motivated than ever to, to, to make money. And he goes, the minute I, and I know that they're working hard enough, the minute they gain 20 pounds, I'm like, those are some interesting statistics, <laughs> you know? And it's like, once you start that job and you, you become like, you have this vision of like, Hey, I vision a focus where I want to go and like drive to make this money. And that's great. What ends up happening is, um, you start losing out on like taking care of yourself. And what was interesting is like, I like to, I like to see people sacrifice their freedom for a restructured schedule. Once mm-hmm. they, uh, once they kind of start to say, Hey, I'll have some own personal goals. Cause if you could carve out 45 minutes to an hour and a half of your day to take care of you, you could give back to your family tenfold than you did without it. And yeah. if you could do that in conjunction with a team environment that keeps you accountable, right. To everything that you're trying to achieve, then all of a sudden you're going to find that drive back. So I believe like you, like one of the things that I love about train heroics app is that you make it, it makes it so simple. It eliminates all excuses. I've been, Josh is a, is a personal friend of mine and he's became mm-hmm. a personal friend, not just because of how amazing the app is, but because they're coaches, they're former athletes that are implementing this into the work that they do. And they are very, very sincere about the work, uh, about changing someone's life in that singular interaction with their app. Right. That's why you get a little motivational quote when you open it up. That's why there's a, co- a message from your coach when you're in there. That's why there's a good video to describe what you're doing to make sure that you don't get hurt. And it's not a sales pitch for them, but it sure as hell is a pitch for somebody who I definitely believe in. Right. And I think in this world today, there's not that many people that I genuinely believe in. I think that very few people follow through with what they say they're going to do. And, and, and they're like that. You guys are like that. Um, and then you're willing to challenge people. Everybody wants to be challenged. Every man wants to be pushed. And the day that you stop getting pushed is the day that you're actually not growing. That, I mean, there's things in life that hold you back. They're there to protect you, right? So it's like you, you plant, you know, have a plant that comes in the small little pot. And then once it outgrows that, the, you should move it into a bigger pot. Mm-hmm. Because the roots need a place to grow. And then once you outgrow that athletic career and you're in your work environment, they're trying to keep you in this bucket. They're trying to hold you in this small pot. And you want to get out of that environment and go into a different environment so that you could grow. It protects you, no, no, no doubt about it. That pot protects you and protects your roots, but is it also limiting you? So you have to figure out what environment that you're in. And one of the things that you guys have absolutely created is an environment for former athletes to thrive while being challenged and doing something better for themselves. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of conversations based off this, and we continue to make it, make it a challenge, make it difficult. The training will never be easy. Uh, you know, throwing out well-born isms, no one's coming to save you. Move the dirt. Some days you get a shovel, some days you get a spoon, but that is the idea. So how then deciding what programs we offer, right? We could keep throwing out these six-week programs and just doing flash of the pan, getting, you know, jacked and juicy as fuck and all that bullshit. Or we can accept that this is going to be difficult and we're going to find the right people that accept the challenge. How we accomplish that, though, is reverse engineering from specific training goals, and then now we have our programs. Crafting the programs by identifying then barriers. We find our people, identify barriers. What excuses are you giving? Of course, it's with time, uh, equipment, all the others. So then we craft the programs for the garage athlete. Well, we have a choose-your-own-adventure program, Grindstone. I just got a high school buddy that uh, played in the NFL. He's in uh, residency as a doctor now, smart ass dude, and he's on grindstone because he knows, hey, I don't have time to fuck around. I need a trusted program and service. So when I go in, I only have two days a week. This is what I do. So it's, it's this opportunity to listen to the audience. Oh, I hear the excuses. 
dude, we've already had the solution. We've been there. We are now 40, 30 year old athletes still working hard and trying to be fast. I will not give up what little speed I do have, Cav. Uh, you're a big inspiration for that. So it's, it's seeing what people are giving us and then presenting a challenge to them. Do they accept it? It's on them. But we're not going to get any easier. We're just going to listen to their needs and put them in the best position, as we know, as coaches. Yeah, I tell you what, a man that doesn't want to be pushed is going to be very, very uh, quickly fallen into, a, um, into the identity of the world where the world wants them. And you don't yeah. want, you don't want that. You know, if you, if you are genuinely stepping up to being, you know, a leader in your, your family or a leader in your community, then it's going to be really difficult um, for you to be a weak person because um, nobody wants to follow weak men. Cause when people follow weak men, it's only because they can be controlled. And that's unfortunately what we're running into. People want strong leaders in their life. They might not like the outcomes because it's better for them but they want strong leaders and the people that are that are going to push you the most are normally attracted to you because they believe that you, you know you're willing to push the limits and you're going to be there to save them. You know I have three rules that I want to implement in like I want to make sure that I ingrain into my son's life. Like I want to ingrain it into my son's life. Three three rules. And these things are things that will save your life. Um rule number 1. Do not panic. No matter what happens, you cannot panic. The world will shake you, and it's your job to stay calm. Rule number two, there is a way. You need to move. Is You must move. You don't get anywhere in life without moving. Okay? That's it. You have to understand, first and foremost, that you cannot panic. If you panic, you create two problems. You create the problem of the situation that you're dealing with, number one, mm -hmm. and then you're creating the problem that you've made up, number two. Rule number two, you have to know deep down in your heart that there is a way. There has to be a way out because if you don't believe there's a way out, you will get stuck and you will quit. And if you quit, right, if you quit, it's game over. You're pulling the plug on the game and you're not saying I'm willing to drive to have EEE -E -E on my gas tank. A lot of times, I mean, we're, I'm working with a lot of boxers right now. And I tell them like, hey, listen, like we have a, a, a high level pro in there right now that's working. And he's, you know, they're running kind of like king of the ring type of things where they just like, you know, round robin guys. They get three rounds in, next guy gives them two rounds, next guy gives them three rounds, next guy gives them one round. The guy gives them whatever he could give them, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and it's not safe to leave that other guy in there for a 12 round, but we have to train that other guy up for, you know, his high level competition. So, you know, I got a kid who's another up and coming pro. And he's just not there yet, but he gets in there for three rounds and he's saving his legs. You can see it. You can see it on his face. He's saving his legs because he thinks that he'll get another shot. So he saves his legs. So he never pushes his limit. Yeah. And unfortunately, when you do that, that is the definition of quitting. That is the definition of believing that there's no way out. You have to push that limit. So that you could crack that threshold. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing in training. We have to push our limit comfortably so that one come competition comes, we can't even reach our limit. We're so far away from it. We've pushed it so much in training that this is our limit. And we're so far away from it that no matter who pushes us, we'll never get to that breaking point. Yeah. And with understanding first and foremost, not to panic. Number two, that there is a way. And then number three, to move. You have to move. Anything in life that is going to hit you is aiming for you. And it's normally easier to hit a stationary target than a moving target. If I'm shooting, it's really easy for me to hit a stationary target. You know, I was in San Antonio, 150 yards out, hitting some nice little metal targets. And I felt pretty good about that. But if that target was moving, I'd be damn sure if I was ever going to touch it. There's no way. So yeah. you have to move. And then so. If you could think about that as ingraining that into your soul, right? What are the things in your life that you have to put yourself in environments that force you to almost try to quit? What are your limits, right? What 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 things in your life force you to potentially, you know, get uncomfortable? 
many, many panics, right? What are, what are you doing to create environments that are slightly stressful so that you could get conditioned to these experiences? You know, you see a lot of guys transitions from one sport to another. They're preconditioned to be dealt with differently, right? So a, a football athlete transitioning to lacrosse is going to be conditioned of this physical contact. A mm -hmm. skill, a lacrosse athlete that's conditioned to a football, like going into football, is going to be conditioned with uh, getting dialed in on their skill, like being super, like hyper focused on what they're trying to achieve. Because lacrosse is a physical and skill sport. Right. And football, not as much. So there's trans, there's, there's translators, things that transfer from one sport to another, right? A sport that is like wrestling, a wrestling athlete translates really in, uh, easily to coachability and individual accountability in other sports, because no one's coming to save you when you're on the mat, no one's going to help you out. No, you're, you can't tag a friend and then them come in. So mm -hmm. it creates a lot of individual accountability. They're really receptive to coaching. Yeah. Some, some athletes need to learn, fighters particularly, but football players, lacrosse athletes, um, baseball players, you use signs. But fighters, can you listen during the round? Have you developed an athlete ear that is so dialed into your coach's voice that that's the only thing you hear? And when you could hear that and you can move with it, you 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 now actually have another weapon because your coach could see what you don't see in the ring. And it's your job to be able to listen to him. And it's his job to be able to see the things that you don't see. And if it, now all of a sudden you have two brains when you're in there mm -hmm. and you could just be on autopilot and go. And you have to develop that. And you can only develop that if you're conditioned. You can only develop that if you're strong. Because if you're if you're fatigued, trust me, all of the things that you hear go out the window. They, they don't hear anything. Yeah. So Dis disappear are, up their own ass. These are these are principles that I found to keep people alive, both in sport and in life. But I think that they only happen by you doing training sessions every single day that challenge you and push you and with a group of, of, of a, a like-minded community that help you achieve those goals. Because if you take any person and you put them in an environment, they're going to, they're going to start to adapt to that environment. Sometimes if you put too many people like that in that environment, the environment will start to adapt to them. The water, the, the fish are not sick. The water is dirty. It's a great leadership book. But that's the issue predominantly in most people's lives, where they get into an environment where the water is dirty, and then they wonder why they're sick all the time. You drop somebody who is a former competitive athlete into, you know, a power athlete program. Well, that water is it's 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 clean. It's mean. It's literally like like nutrient up on the things that are going to make you better as a man. You're going to automatically be better. It might take you a little while to adapt to that water. But you'll learn how to swim and you'll learn how to thrive in that environment. So when you go to a different environment, you become the shark in that tank. Yeah. And that's the way I approach environments. That's how I approach athletes. I think it comes down to individual accountability, right, that most people don't want to have. I think that self-awareness is the key to all of the principles in which I teach. Because the, the more self-aware you are, the more you can be understanding of what is your balance. You can be more understanding of are you keeping yourself accountable? And do you have people in your life that keep you accountable, right? What is your deep desire of lust? So you know exactly what you want to achieve. Where is your drive, right? Do you love something, right? Accountability is like, if I show up every day and I, nobody has to motivate me to do it, well, then that's a, 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 a deep desire that shows my 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 love for a sport or an, uh, something I want to achieve. And then Am I willing to, you know, give up some of the things that I like to have something that I love? And that's that sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Now, for the former athlete entering into the workforce, like mm -hmm. workforce will ask a lot of sacrifice from them. How do you guide them from not being taken advantage of? Because, I mean, there's some big sharks out there, you know, who hire athletes, wrestlers. And based off their characteristics, because they know they can, uh, you know, is it getting a lot out of them? Is it taking advantage of them? How, how would an athlete protect themselves from their work ethic once they do enter into the real world? Yeah, I, I think that um, 
I like people that are grinders. I like people that can actually get in there and, and, and push the pace. Uh, so I try to hire athletes only predominantly um, people that have a deep interest in sport, because I think that it's an easy kind of like crossover for what I teach. Um, and I am going to push the pace, right? I think it's your responsibility to take care of your mental health and your physical health. Um, I think what happens is in the workforce nowadays, we've gotten so caught up on like, oh, my my, my, well, my mental well-being isn't good and I'm, I'm depressed or I'm this or that. I'm like, dude, you're just, I, I, I'm not to say in a bad way, but you're less of a man than the other guy. That's the reason why. And this sounds insensitive. But the reason why your emotional state is distraught is because you you brought less to the table than everyone else. And you can't handle that environment. So the way that you protect yourself is bring more to the table. Train your ass off, build a level of resiliency. So when you show up and you take care of yourself, you could show up in that workforce. Yeah, no employer in the world is going to be upset that their employee is healthy. No employer in the world is going to be upset that their their employer the employee is mentally sharp. No employer in the world is going to be upset that their employee is taking care of themselves. They're upset, in my opinion, that they have to like play daddy and play mommy and, and nurture these babies when they get into the workforce because they don't know how to take care of their themselves. They they burn the candle at both ends, but the candle is this big. Mm hmm. That's the problem. It's like, oh, I'm burning the candle at both ends. Like, no, you're not. You're just, you just have never worked before. You've never taken care of yourself before. And I would say most employees do not have the balls to say to their boss, hey, you're paying me for this. This is what I'm willing to do. Here's the exchange. Let me know if I'm wrong. If you want me to do more, I'm all about doing more. Show me the investment into me. Show me the investment into the future. I'm on the opposite end where I probably do more of saying, hey, I think you could achieve more. So therefore, I want to show you this future of all these things I'm going to invest into you because I can't afford to pay you as much as you're probably worth. So I'm going to show you the future of where I could take you and then go and take you. And then and I'm happy that you succeeded and moved on. You know, I have probably over 10 former employees, interns, coaches that have worked for me that have gone on and done things that my business could not have supported. And I am so proud of that because I can refer people to that. You know, I have a, I have an ex-athlete and ex-coach that runs one of the largest real estate, you know, companies in South Virginia right now. And it's awesome. It's excited to watch him build and grow. You know, I have another one that like opened up another gym and now he's a, in, into, uh, he's running a, um, a venture fund right now in DC. And it's exciting to see them grow beyond where I could have taken them. I know that the work that I've done with them has built the resiliency for them to handle the next big thing in their life. But I, it's my job to absolutely invest into them. And if I don't, right, then, then, I, then the compensation needs to be greater, right? If, if you're not going to have somebody that's investing into you, then the compensation needs to be higher. If, if the compensation is lower, right, then they need to invest into you or you need to like your work-life balance, right? I believe, I'm a big believer of like Ari Mizell's approach of work-life integration versus work-life balance. So I don't ever work a day in my life. I mean, here I'm talking, I get to talk to a friend of mine that I would drink bourbon with and talk shop with, right? And it's a, it's my job. And mm -hmm. pretty, I think I'm pretty lucky, right? I get to go train, you know, a pro fighter today. I think I'm pretty lucky. I think I'm, I'm able to go work with a, a guy getting ready for, you know, the NFL season. I think that's pretty, I'm pretty lucky. You know, Johan's got, you know, Diamond League Championship coming up, you know, first week of September, you know, I think in Zurich. I'm, I think I'm pretty lucky that I get to do those things. I don't think of that as work. I think of that as me being able to fulfill my work by being good at the, like, good at what other people, you know, view me as. See, people are using me. So it's my job to protect my energy. And, and I think that as athletes going into a work environment, they're so used to structure that they have, they, they don't know what to do when an employee says, I need you from this time to this time because they don't take care of the stuff outside of work. You got to take care of the stuff outside of work for you so that you can give more to what you're doing. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, I like it. I'm fired up because I have a badass power. Look at that. That thing's pretty sweet. Check that out. I know. Cheers. Cheers.
and uh you don't have sweet. to fight for my wife with this she loves this mug so i fight her with this all the time well i got a gift for your time coming your way then um yeah in line with uh i, I like the the note accountability for where you are so we, we had balance accountability and then especially as you get into this this career and the the older you get and recognize like if you're not satisfied with work-life balance or XYZ about the job, is still you need to take some accountability for where you are. And then just as we would assess any athlete and find the limitations, create a program to help get them there. What can you do within your time frame, whether it's inside of work or outside of work, to help lead you to where you want to be? Yeah, um, so there's five things I do every day that if I don't do them, mind you, I say I do them every day and I speak as if I do them every day, because if I don't do them every day, I start to realize that I am not living up to my full potential. I start to realize that I'm not complete with the work that I need for me. I also recommend that you choose your five. These are over time things for me that has worked out. So every day I have to do five things. First one is I have to read. If I don't read, then I'm not getting some sort of like mental stimulation at some capacity. I have to write. If I'm not like putting my hand to pen, putting things on paper, right? I feel like I'm not like getting some stuff out. I have to move. My body does not do well if it stays still. And I've had plenty of injuries and I am lazy enough. I am a naturally lazy person where I would love to just stay still. I could be an absolute pro at vacation. Like if you told me just to veg, I could be a pro because I work so hard. I know how to, I've mastered that game, right? But I have to move, right? Number four is I have to eat. I forget to eat. What? I absolutely forget to eat. It's one of my biggest problems. And it's because like, I'm just going a hundred miles an hour that I'll forget to eat. And then what happens is then it hits me. I'm like, why am I tired? It's like three, four, five o'clock. What's going on. Right. And I'll get into these bad habits where me personally, I'm an emotional eater. So I could smash a literally a 32 ounce ribeye and then have like freaking a gallon of ice cream. Right. And, and that's a bad, that's just like my emotional, like, you know, are you, immature are you happy because of this or are you sad? <laughs> Well, I'm happy while I'm doing it, but I'm sad afterwards. I'm like, why did I do that to myself? Right. And then, and then you just finish it off with the bourbon. You know, I'm not an emotional drinker. I'm an emotional eater. So I, so number four is eating. And then number five is pray. I believe that there's a higher power. And I believe that you have to uh, have some guiding principles in your life. And sometimes you have to reflect on that with, uh, with a higher purpose. So, you know, I look at like in general, what in my life, like what's your telos, right? So we talk about telos is your higher purpose. Right. Mm -hmm. What is your first mountain that you climb? Maybe it's your athletic or or, or um, academic or financial achievement. And then as you start to figure out what's the give back to the world, you have to go through this dip and then find what is your telos, which is man's search for higher purpose. And, and that's what I have to do. And I have to kind of reflect that back, you know, in my prayers every day. And for me, it's, you know, God, family and, and sport. And I enjoy that. You know, we had this thing that I, I had in all my shirts when I first started coaching. It was like, you know, GSFF, God, family, school, um, football, right? And it was, it, we just put your priorities in order. And I, I think oftentimes, you know, for me, there's no doubt that the the, the school one definitely was flipped <laughs> for sure. I would, I would, I would switch that, 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 that third one out pretty often. But if you start switching off those first two, um, you're going to have some disappointment in your life for sure. And that was something I realized uh, pretty quickly. And, you know, you get you get hit pretty hard. Right. Um, my favorite meme to share to people is the be a hammer, you know, memes that you guys send out because it's like when life hits you. Right. You got to decide who you are. And and if you're out of balance pretty quickly, you're you're unfortunately, you know, somebody something else is going to be uh, the hammer and going to hit you. And then yeah. I'm going to end up on one of those memes for sure. Yeah, dude. Observation years of contact sport. Like if somebody gets a big knock, how do they react? They put their hands up looking around, yeah. like, where's the call? Or like they get up and they start pushing back. So we're yeah, on to the next play. El eliminate, eliminate, um, posture mannerisms to disappointments and eliminate my bads. Oh, if you dude. eliminate those two things, you're going to, uh, you're going to already have a lot more success. So if you, if an athlete, if an athlete does a drill, fucks it up and then comes back and says, give me that ball again, coach. And he just, you like what you like me playing with the stick, right? You like that? Fiddlesticks, yeah. 
I do my best. It's my best lacrosse impression. Good buddy of my uh, Nick Tyndall, uh, stud lacrosse player, top 100 yeah. lacrosse player of all time. Played at Carolina. Was in the PL Dallas, for, Dallas area, yeah. right? He was yeah. in the he was in the Outlaws for a while. Um, and uh, what's pretty cool is um, you know, like I don't know nothing about lacrosse, right? And here I am working with some of these awesome people. And I remember the first lacrosse team I got to coach was uh, Hopkins Lacrosse. And, you know, I wear that jacket and everyone's like, oh, man, you're the dude, you know. And I'm like, is it that that's not that big of a deal. I remember the first time I took a lacrosse stick and I went to go shoot it. The bottom of the stick hit me right in the nuts. Yeah. Yeah. You told that last time, man. This- oh, my God. I almost died. Almost died. So but you got like we got, you got balls. The- yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes <laughs> sometimes t- too quick to recognize it. Right. You know, holy moly. But, you know. What's interesting is if you if you do a drill and you miss it and you come right back and the coach throws you another ball and you catch it and you go right to work and you correct the fix that the coach asked, that coach is pumped. But if you took the time to change your posture, look like a melted candle, had like a manner of my bad coach or gave an excuse, that's wasted effort. The coach now has to coach that. Mm-hmm. The coach can't coach the drill. Yeah. So like have the maturity and the confidence in oneself to know that you're going to get it next time as an athlete. And as a coach, I'm going to give it back to you the next time. Yeah. And instead of forcing you to do it again, and like you said, correcting the, the body language it's correcting the one direction cue, whatever they needed to, you know, sharpen their aim, dude, the, um, w- one thing I do appreciate. So yeah, going back to where you said five things, uh teammate luke summers and i way back when we revisited like why our big whys for for power athlete mm-hmm. and mine essentially was the uh teach coach and create so okay. create i do a lot of writing for our education pieces um and then yeah and um teaching dude presenting uh nsca seminars even within our power athlete thing but then one thing I was missing was coaching because we are now this online business and then typing feedback. While I do appreciate helping and guide, it's not the same as the field. So once I had that and realized what I was missing, sought the local team to, to give back to the game as any lacrosse player would appreciate. Um, man, that was, that really then sparked the other two and made it more worthwhile because I had more uh, connection, coaching, communication, coaching the coaches who are giving back to the games themselves, but not necessarily career coaches, like I would consider myself, and yeah. seeing the gaps between communication, attitude, effort, and uh, components that they need to pick up, and then holding them accountable as well as the athletes, and really starting to, you know, to bring motivation, energy back to 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 the daily, the day to day. But self-accountability, identifying what I'm missing, finding a solution, and then really pouring myself into it. Absolutely. I mean, you look at, look, like I said, in order to hit all of those things that we talk about, you have to have self-awareness first and foremost. Then it's a matter of like, you know, uh, social awareness. How do you interact within the dynamic of other people, right? And how do those people perceive you? And then situational awareness. When something happens, how do you handle that dynamic, that specific situation? And it's like, if you can handle those th- those those situations at that level of depth, then you could navigate your your ways through the goals in which you, you want to achieve and understand how to get the most out of each one of those situations. Yes, awesome. Coach Cap, I don't want to take any more time in. Where can people, one, pick up the book, and two, follow you and all the awesome things you're doing uh man up on amazon right uh, make sure you type in my name Kavanaugh, because there's another bunch of other people that love the title um and then and again people jump on trends and they jump on things based upon whatever reasons it will be a really easy way to identify integrity in this world unfortunately but that's just the reality of the world that we live in um and then Instagram is probably my most uh, commonplace. Um, you know, I know a lot of people, we've been doing a lot more on YouTube lately, but Coach Cav on Instagram is probably where I'm the most active. Um, and then, um, and then all of, I will say this, 
I am actually very accessible, although I will, you know, I will never big time anybody, but I, things get lost in the shuffle. So keep being persistent. You know, I believe that people need to be persistent and, and, and I'm not big time in you, but it's hard to get in touch with anybody. So if you, you know, if you don't hear from me, just keep pestering me and we'll make sure that we get connected. Um, and then, Hey, Addison, Texas, watch out lacrosse barns coming there and Nick's going to be there and it's going to be pretty amazing. So I think that you guys need to connect and hook up because that's going to be a powerhouse combination in my opinion. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did see his, uh, his post and it opened up that building just a three hour drive away. Not that big deal, but that's Hey, not bad. Yeah. nah, weekend trip. It's called networking. All right, Justin, thank you very much, man. We'll, uh, we'll make this happen again. I don't want to wait another year. dude. Thank you very much. Text here, closing out another episode of power athlete radio. If you want to put what you've heard into practice and get your training going, and why the hell wouldn't you, head to PowerAthleteHQ.com and check out our training page to find out which program best fits with your training goal. Unleash that inner athlete and go from average Joe to MVP with training personally programmed by me and John. That's PowerAthleteHQ.com forward slash training. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button on YouTube or check out video on Spotify as well. We'll see you in the next episode.